0: I want to speak to you this morning about an aspect of your life and use a character in the Bible who I mentioned in my Thursday Thoughts, a guy named Caleb. Caleb is a very interesting character and a very significant man uh, in regards to the nation of Israel, and in regards to understanding some principles about faith. And whether you know it or not, if you are a Christian Christian, You are called to walk a walk of faith. You're not called to walk your life through by what you see. Of course, you would be stupid not to observe what is happening around your world, but it should not determine uh, your outlook of the future or where you think your life should go. Uh, You're called to look at life through the eyes of faith, no matter what comes your way. A little bit like Amy coming and leading worship this morning, even though she has been challenged with her health. No, no, no. Faith tells her she wants to serve God. That might seem a little aspect, but there are many ways that you need to learn in your life to apply faith that we can learn from Caleb in order to live out your destiny. I'm going to read you a scripture. It's one I've read before. Uh, they don't have it uh, on the screen. You're not going to get it on the screen. But it's found in one, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 11 through to 13 in the Message Bible. Uh, we've done a whole lot of series on this scripture, but I want to bring it back to us a little bit this morning. So it says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, one of the centers of the then known uh, Christian uh, strong places where God was moving and God was using and using to reach the the rest of the world, dear dear Corinthians, I can not, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter the wide open spacious, uh, wide open spacious life. You see, Christianity is not a narrow, trapped life. Christianity is a life where you live a wide open space attitude towards life. Um, Caleb had that. Uh, we didn't fence you in. Some of our lives can feel like we are fenced and Sometimes we can feel in life like maybe circumstances or even other people might be fencing us in. Paul is trying to tell the Corinthian church to get them to understand they are called with a destiny to live a life of wide open spaces where there is opportunity in your life. And um, uh, carry on. Uh, We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Friend, you are never meant to live life in a small way. You are never meant to feel so low and terrible about yourself that you can't achieve wondrous and amazing things. You are destined by God to live a wide open space life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And not to live small. We all wrestle with issues with self-esteem on our journey of life. But friend, you are meant to wrestle those feelings down and not be trapped by them. Paul's trying to get the Corinthians to understand that. The smallness you feel comes from within you. See, if you have a struggle with feeling good about yourself, it's not the outside that's causing that. It's what's going on inside you. The issue is not outside whatever you're facing. The issue is what is inside of you. Jesus came to bring transformation and change us to deal with our smallness And make us understand through him we can do all things. You with me? Hallelujah. You know, um, too many Christians struggle with self-esteem. Too many people in the world struggle with self-esteem. They try to address their shortcomings with dressing a particular way, with owning homes, with this, this, and this. But the emptiness will never be filled from anything else but Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to be good today. I'm going to shout lots. No, I'm not. So the the smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. You live your life out of what's inside of you. If you have a smallness inside, it will affect your outside And you will live, to some degree, trapped by that smallness. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. He's talking not to condemn, not to judge. He's talking because he loves this church. He loves these people and he wants them to change inside. But you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up. Your lives live openly and expensively. Hallelujah. Again, I want to use Caleb and take some principles that Caleb had learnt and outworked in his life in order for us to deal with the smallness within and to live these lives that God has destined us to live wide open. Hallelujah. Why wouldn't you want that? Okay, the background with the scripture I'm going to use uh, uh, in relation to Caleb's life. Now, a lot of us know it. Some of us don't. Uh, God had promised the children of Israel that there was a promised land for them. They had been trapped by the Egyptians, uh, forced into labor and bondage and God rescued them through a man named Moses. And uh, that's where we hear the story of you know, the Red Sea parting and movies have been made about it where God so wanted this people to be his people and live in their land of promise that he parted an ocean in order for them to travel to to their promised land. So you have a promised land and God will part an ocean, and make a path through an ocean in order for you to live your life in your promised land. That's how determined God's heart is for his people. Hallelujah. So there were these 12, but what happened was, uh, when, there was a, when they were about to, they had escaped Egypt, Egypt. Uh, They're in this place called the wilderness and God was wanting them to go into the promised land. Their land of promise, that was their destiny. And he told Moses, Moses, you're going to go across the Jordan into the land of promise, the land of plenty and bounty. And um, Moses gets 12 guys, 12 spies. And actually these 12 spies that he gets were 12 uh, incredibly important leaders each of them led one of the tribes of Israel. So Israel was made up of 12 tribes. And of those 12 tribes, there was a significant leader out of each that was sent across the Jordan to go and spy out the land, 12 men, Caleb being one of them. I'm going to read you the list of the 12 men because it's a very interesting thing. So the 12 men, uh, their names were Shamua, Shafat, Caleb, Egal, if I'm saying it right. Joshua, Palatai, Gadiel, Gedi, Amil, Sithor, Nahabi, <laughs> and Giul. Probably all badly pronounced, but at least I tried. Here are these 12 men, all leaders of Israel, All had had responsibilities and had been through the parting of the Red Sea, had seen God rescue them, had been brought to this place where God had done miracles and they were going into the land that they all had heard about. This is why we left Egypt. See, God got you and he rescued you if you are a Christian from a kind of a typology of Egypt. Because before I knew Christ, my life was full of bondage. My life was full of emptiness. And God rescued me from my Egypt through Christ, through Jesus, and is taking me on the journey to my promised land. So here are these 12 men. But here's the crazy thing. Of course, when they came back, 10 of the men all saw the promised land, all saw the wonder of what God wanted to give them, were overwhelmed by the strong armies of the enemy that would stop or try to stop them that occupied the land of their promise. But two men, even though they saw the giants, knew that God had given them this promised land and Caleb being one of those. You with me? Got the background? And this is the crazy thing. Ten of the men were so intimidated by the size of the enemy that occupied the land that they shrunk down within themselves, what was within actually came out of their mouths where they described themselves as grasshoppers. Weak, pathetic. People who would not be able to overcome and take the promised land. Hallelujah. So we'll take up the the story a number of years, well uh, 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 yeah, well over 40 years later when they actually did go into the promised land Caleb and Joshua, all the others had died, but Caleb and Joshua, who knew this land of promise would be theirs, uh, had led the nations, and they'd gone across. They'd actually taken Jericho, Jericho, um, the first strong city. And um, this is where we take up the story in Joshua chapter, chapter 14, verse 6 through to 15. You with me? Okay. Okay. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in, Gil- in Gilgal. And Caleb, here's Caleb, the son of the Kenezite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me, in Kadesh Baneah. So Caleb and Joshua... As a result of them not being intimidated, as a result of them being willing to go into the promised land, we're given a promise by Moses. And these men, some 43 years later, 42 years later maybe, were now doing what God had called them to do, and they were joining together, and Caleb's reminding him of this stuff. Important you understand this. Uh, So Caleb begins to speak. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Baneah to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your Inheritance. Inheritance. Note the word inheritance. And your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years later. 45 years later, after this guy had walked in this land where he believed God was going to give he was going to give them, had to wait 45 years. I've been a Christian for 40 years in September, just gone. And I've got to tell you, that's a long time. But Caleb, a man of faith, had been waiting for 45 years for this promise to come to pass. If you want to have a heart like Caleb, I've entitled my message, Caleb's Heart, Friend, you've got to be willing to hold on sometimes for 45 years. We live in an age where it is like instant. We want everything now. You know, but God is not the God at our command. We are the people that are at the command and will of God. Do you understand? You've got to shift your thought if you want to have a heart like, like Caleb, if you want to live in the land of wide open spaces for your life, take your eyes off you and put them where they belong, to God and to his will and his purpose for your life. You with me? Oh, I'm getting old. I don't know. <laughs> Caleb, a man who lived in the wide open spaces of God and not with a little we. I don't feel good about myself, heart I'm just trying to do the intro. Where did I get up to? Oh yeah. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said for these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. 85. Let me look at who's here. Oh, no, you're not anywhere near that. Doesn't matter anyway. You know, God's promises don't matter if you're getting older. You know, you've got to shift your thought about the world trying to tell you, you know, well, you're 85 and it's time to give up or roll over or whatever by your walker. Anyway, carry on. Um... Verse 11, as yet I am as as strong this day as I was the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Stop there. This guy was 85 years old and he had the arrogance to say, He was so confused. He was so denying reality that as an 85-year-old, he was thinking he was as good as he was when he was 40. He's deluded. How can that be? We all know as you get older, the body folds up. We all know because, but you know what? Maybe we're listening to a voice that's telling us when we should be listening to the voice of God that's trying to tell us that He can make us strong at 85 years old, it don't matter. Do you understand? All the older people go, Amen. All the younger people don't understand. But you will. Do you know why? Do you know why that man had the arrogance or maybe the faith to say, That his strength was as strong then. Uh, His strength was as strong now as it was then. Do you know why? Friend, because his mind was locked up on what God had spoken to him. Because his mind was so centred on the promise of his promised land that it didn't matter that he was 85. It didn't matter that he was getting older. That he was driven because of what had happened when he had the word of God put into his heart. That's the power of the word of God. That's the power of the promises of God if you will only believe it. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen for that one? It's not even where I'm going. but Stop listening to the rubbish that's going on that's trying to tell you you aren't good enough. Or you are too old, or you aren't too smart, or you've wrecked your life because of the past. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because when you meet Jesus, everything else changes. Can I have an amen? amen. Everything else changes. The heart of Caleb. As yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Might go there. Both for going out and coming in. Verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard. In that day, how Anakim were there. This is the giants, and that the cities were were great and fortified. Verse. Carry on. It may be that the Lord will with, will be with me, and I will be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Verse thirteen. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb to this day. I'm skipping the names. Don't laugh, Jen. No laugh, it's good. Um, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Finish there. See, do not underestimate the word of God. Do not underestimate when God gives a promise, the power that that promise has if you will wholly give your heart to what God has said. You with me? It is a powerful thing. God's word is a powerful thing. That's why we encourage you if you're a new Christian, if you're a been on the road a while or a long while that you must realize that the word of God is this powerful tool that God has given us to help us find our promised land or our wide open space. Hallelujah. The word of God smashes the weakness within you. The word of God crushes the lie of the devil The word of God taken inside your heart changes you from an 85-year-old old man to a powerful vessel for God. It says this of Caleb. Note what Caleb says at the beginning of what I've just read to you. It says, after he'd been into the promised land, I brought back word to him, Moses, as it was in my heart. Caleb had gone to the land of promise, comes back to report to Moses, and he says of the words that came from his mouth, as it was in my heart, I spoke to Moses. See, Caleb spoke from his heart, To Moses, Caleb didn't try to pump up his words. Caleb didn't try to make something that was bad look good. Caleb, honestly, from the depth of his heart, spoke what was going on within him. See, you will speak what's going on in your heart. Your words, you, you can't, you can say a whole lot of stuff at church on a Sunday. You can say words, But if they ain't in your heart, they are nothing. Because when pressure comes, when you see your giants, when you are trying to do your thing with God and take on your promised land, what will come out of your mouth is your reaction to whatever is going on. Caleb saw the giants, but there was a depth of God within this man that had no place for fear. It had no place for weakness. It had no place to think like a grasshopper. It had this ability to see the strength and the promise. Am I preaching to myself here? I don't know. You know, last week I had, you know what I had? And I had to stay home. Upset my program. I have programs. <laughs> and I sat on my balcony. It was a nice afternoon, if I could, a morning. And, um, you know, didn't even have to preach on the Sunday. Actually, you should listen to Pekka's message on Sunday. That was a fantastic message. If you haven't heard it, friend, you need to hear it. She convicted me. She used me as an example. She was harsh about me for the kingdom, whatever. Anyway, what am I talking about? Remind me. Uh Sit on the balcony. (laughs) And I just had been reading through um, the book of uh, Joshua. And man, I I just was reading this passage that I just read to you, and man, I could not shake it off. I couldn't shake it off and I just kept meditating on it all that morning and I've been meditating it on there since then and I still feel like God is trying to bring revelation to me. So I'm trying to give you what I think he's trying to say but there's so much more in this understanding of this man called Caleb. There's so much more about understanding and being so convinced, friend, that what you see now is not the end end product, that there is so much more for your life and my life, that there is so much more for this church. And that there are so many promises that God has for you that you have not yet attained to. That you, in fact, friend, have a promised land. I don't know, man. That's the Old Testament. I don't believe that. You know, you have a promised land and I'm going to show you. But you've got to believe it. See, it says that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. That wholly followed the Lord didn't come out of some kind of religious aspect. That wholly following the Lord came out of a heart that was full of God. And it was so full of God that it outworked in everything that he did, that it outworked in his life of 85 years of age. You understand? Holy followed God. You will speak out of what's in your heart. It says this to me in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Ooh, it starts a bit harsh. Brood of vipers. None of of those here. How can you being evil speak good things? You see, Jesus was trying to tell, because the scribes and the Pharisees were speaking a whole lot of yuck. And it's because their heart was full of yuck. You brood of vipers, how can you be evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. You can say what you like. You can come to church and be the most religious person and go to the prayer meeting or whatever, but friend, at the depth of your core, if the degree of how much God is in there is what's going to come out of your mouth and particularly when you are under pressure because It's easy on Sunday. But friend, when the world and what it does comes its way and when the difficulties come face you, you will speak out of what's really inside of you. You know, you can blame everybody else. You can look for answers everywhere else. But friend, if God is in you, you will look for your answer from him. That's the truth. Uh, true? See, that's why you've got to fill your heart up with the right stuff. Your mouth will truly tell everybody else. If you don't know it, everybody else will know it. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Notice what... Um, it says about what um, Caleb said in Numbers 13.30. This is Caleb. So remember, he'd been to the promised land. We're going back a bit now. and I want to show you what he said because what was in his heart to everybody else. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. See, Caleb didn't speak from anything else other than what was in his heart. Ever heard that word, uh, you know, when somebody might say, ah, you know, this will show us what's really in your heart. Ever heard that kind of saying when we see somebody going through something and then, you know, people make the comment, well, we'll really see what's going on in their heart through this. That's the truth. That's the truth. You'll speak what's really inside. It's a little bit scary. I feel convicted already. Now, what did the other 10 say? See, you've got two, and in particular Caleb, who was full of God, because it tells us, and he himself knew that. He said, man, I just spoke, what's in my heart. I just told Moses what I thought, because it's in my heart. I loved it. The other day we had a meeting about the sponsorship kids, and we're looking at our website because we're trying to, you know, grow that thing. And um, Darren had written on the website how many kids? What? He said that we were going to get 500 children sponsored. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> 500 kids. You need your head read, bro. And I said, oh, we've got to drop that baby down. <laughs> and then, you know, we're talking away, and Nicole was there as well. And then Nicole says, look, Keith, you know, and I, what do I want to drop it down to 200. And that was my big step of 200, man. We're at about 38 now. Anyway, then Nicole pipes up and says, um, well, Keith, I think you need to have a bit more faith or something like that. Who the hell does she think she is? I put all these kind of people around me, shape Man, Cause me problems. She said, we've got to up that baby, Keith. And I think we put up at 300." 300. Well, proof's in the pudding, mate. We'll see. No, Jesus, yes. But my point is, can you remember Sam Childer? Who enjoyed Sam Childer? Can you remember one of the themes behind his message was, and he repeated it a number of times, he said, here's the thing you want to achieve what God has for your life, you need to gather around you serious people. You remember that? And see, Caleb was a serious cat. Interesting that they, they would challenge my faith because they're serious. Were you serious? Get your head red. No. You do not need people around your life who speak negative and tell you you can't. Do you understand? That's why if you're not getting it here, go to another blinking Church. If you're not getting challenged about the truth of the wonder of what God can do in your life, you need to go somewhere else and get it. Because see, there were 12 leaders and 10 of them were weak in their heart. This is the truth of it because this is what they said. Numbers thirteen thirty-three, And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. See, that in itself is shocking, because those men themselves were denying them of their inheritance in actual fact. But the even worse case of the 10 men was the effect they had on an entire nation as leaders who were meant to speak life and be serious about the things of God and have their whole heart for God were not. And the point, about you, is you influence people. You influence people. And if people come to you about the things of God, and if you are a negative, you need a slap from God. Influence. John Maxwell says, and it has stayed with me, I love John Maxwell. He's a great leadership, Christian leadership teacher. I read some of his stuff four or five times a week out of his devotional. Because it feeds me, because he's a serious man about the kingdom. And I want to gather around my life serious people. You with me? See you later. That's all right. We'll let you go. Safe flight. See you again. Anyway, what am I talking about again? Serious. Serious people. I hate it when I get a message from God and I don't know where it's really going. And you say, well, that's all right, neither we, Keith. Do you know that you're going to influence, even if you are an introverted, shy person, according to sociologists that John Maxwell quotes, you will influence 10,000 people in your lifetime? 10,000. You will influence 10,000, even if you're shy. And you see, how will you influence them? Well, you'll influence them by what you do, but man, you will influence them by what you say. Because you are a person of influence and you will speak out what's in your heart. Note what Joshua says back moving back into Joshua 14 and verse 8. So I'm kind of stepping from what happened to what's what, what was going on in Joshua and 14. Oh, sorry, in um, Caleb. This is Caleb saying, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Super interesting. Nevertheless. So he'd told them what he'd said and now he's saying what these other dudes said because they were speaking out of what was in their heart. And what was in their heart caused the people to note the word melt, melt. He made the heart of the people, those 10 made the people, their heart melt. The word melt there is a really interesting word. It means to dissolve courage. You think about it. Your power of influence, the wrong way, can dissolve something good in someone else. Can I have an amen or something? Am I going, is this going anywhere? Your words, and I want you to stop for a moment and think what's coming out of your mouth. Because again, I'll tell you, you're going to speak out of what's inside. What's inside can't can't hide. It'll come out in your mouth. And are you dissolving the courage of others because of what you are saying? That's terrible, eh? Do you imagine when we all go to heaven and we get to meet the 12 spies Caleb, Joshua, mm, those other fellas. Imagine when you meet them. I'm going to read you their names again because imagine if you were them. Imagine when they met God that they realized that their actions and what they had said when God wanted to do so much because they were leaders that they, they would go down in history as those 10 leaders who dissolved the courage and others, man, you wouldn't—that would be not nice. Shall I read their names now? I won't. You, you know, but here's the point: small-minded hearts, narrow, who living in that confined space where they don't feel good about themselves, are going to make other people not feel good about them as well because they're going to say it because it's in their heart. You with me? You know, some of you are in marriages and in relationships where you're the person of faith, but you're married to someone who's not. You and they ooh, they might even be someone who comes to church with you. Jeez, that'll be I want to say something to you who are in that kind of situation. You need to have the heart of Caleb. Do you understand? Caleb could have folded as everybody else's courage dissolved around the words that came from the 10. Caleb could have just said, well, you know, I'm giving up like the rest. See, if you're in an environment where someone so close to you has got that negative spin, you need to make sure You fill your heart with God. You you with me? Because you'll speak out of what is in there. And Caleb gives me strength. I have a fantastic wife who speaks way more faith than I do. I have a leadership group of people who cause me trouble because they have too much faith. Where's that? But to those of you who are in that situation, God's grace is sufficient for you. And God's word still has the power. And though Caleb had to wait 45 years, and I'm not saying you're going to wait 45 years. What I'm saying is, friend, you need to make sure that you expel the negativity and you fill yourself up with what God says about you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to finish with this, because I mentioned the word inheritance. The scripture is full of, particularly in the Old Testament, describing God has inheritance for his children. Absolutely. And you will see so many times that there were those who inherited their inheritance and there were those that did not. There was a line, and sadly, it was more that didn't than did. You with me? Inheritance. What is an inheritance? Someone tell me. So an inheritance, very much so, is something that you didn't earn, that somebody close to you more than likely died and has given you an inheritance of possessions, of land, of money, of whatever, titles. Okay, that's in the worldly sense. You with me? But do you know that that has been translated into the New Testament, that the very same God who had that promise, who parted the ocean for the children of Israel in order for them to enter their inheritance has an inheritance for you? The scripture. I'll read a couple of scriptures. Colossians one twelve says, "And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light." Ephesians one eight, the eyes of your understanding. This is this is a fantastic one too. Paul trying to inspire the Ephesians, uh, and he was saying, "I pray," and then it says, "It's that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know the hope of His calling, and what are the riches of." Glory of his inheritance to the saints. Same word. Colossians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You have an inheritance. But do you know what it is? Well, I wouldn't mind a nice little house on the lake. Is that what it's talking about? What's your inheritance? Yeah? You got that for free? You got it? Yep. The Bible is the last will and testament, in particular the New Testament, is the last will and testament of a dead man who rose again. Jesus died and wrote a will full of your inheritance. Super interesting, eh? The dead man... Recorded, of course, he's alive now, but you have an inheritance, and that inheritance is full of lots of things like peace, hope, blessing, healing. Any more? Tons of stuff. Hmm, there's an inheritance for you. Built around you, wholly, your heart filled with God. And how do you do that? Friend, you do that, you fill your heart wholly with God through through the word, not through religious reading, but through reading, understanding Jesus is talking to you. It's by you devoting time in your life to spend in the word of God. It's by you devoting time in your life in prayer. You know, we need to get more people coming to our prayer meeting, man. Uh, You know, we need more Christians coming to pray because we need God to move so our church can get its inheritance. You need to pray and talk to God and by filling your heart with him. It says, um, Caleb said, but I wholly followed the Lord my God in my coming and my going. See, what that kind of means is he says that when I, in my coming, that's when he was going, following something God that had told him to do, and then it talks about when he kind of returned, coming and going, coming back. What that kind of basically means is he did and followed through and saw what, came, what needed to come to pass with what God told him. He didn't give up halfway. He didn't stop. He kept going for 45 years of that life after he'd got a promise and he kept returning to God, achieving what God had told him to do. How many of you have got promises that you have given up on? How many of you are at a point where oh, this, is, whoa, this is tough? You know? Fill yourself up with God. Amen. Joshua, uh, sorry, Caleb, and I'm, not, I'm only going to open this up a little, then we're going to finish. Caleb said this to Joshua Joshua, give me my mountain. Caleb cried out to Joshua, reminded him of the promise that God had given him, cried out to Joshua, man, give me my mountain. At 85 years of age, he was wanting to go take the mountain. And that word or that whole aspect of understanding that mountain is the mountain was actually the central stronghold of where the giants were. Caleb was given the land that was full of the giants that scared everybody else away. But at 85 years of age, Caleb was coming and saying, dude, give me that mountain because I want to go kill those giants. And I had the same strength I had back then and I'm going to slay the giants that occupy my promised land. You see, God's promised land is not something that you just kind of roll on in and woo-hoo-hoo. God's promised land is something that you need to go to war for in your life because it talks a lot about war. And warring against the giants who who hold your land, I don't know what they are. Go back to the little thing you might feel in your heart. Well, that's the giant, friend, because you're believing a lie And you'll let a giant rule your life instead of letting God. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, can we close our eyes? Holy Spirit, you are the power. You release power in our lives. You give us strength. You anoint us. You guide us. You lead us. You teach us. You can. You convict us. I pray this morning, Lord, for each and every person listening to this message, that God, Holy Spirit, you would breathe life on the promises you have for each life. If it needs to be reminded, Lord, remind them. Let them come to light right now in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, the second thing I would ask that you do is give each and every person a fresh desire to fill themselves wholly with you. Lord, we, can't, we can kid each other, but we can't kid you. You know, you see. And God, I pray let there be a stirring, let there be a cry, let there be a desire, let there be a breaking out from the smallness, from the small mindset to the mind that is full of you and your promise. In Jesus' name, amen.